0: Well this time you will take out that other half sheet of paper the one that says life notes at the top It'll kind of give you an outline just got a basic outline today for today's message. I have the scripture on there as well And today we're gonna to look at a blind man That could see We're gonna find out that he could see in one way even before Jesus touched him We've been going through the gospel of mark for the last year and the gospel of Mark of can be divided into two major sections And we're coming um to the end of the first section, the end of chapter 10. Chapters 1 through 10 of Mark are all about Jesus revealing himself to us. He reveals himself to us as the Son of Man, the Messiah, the King of the entire universe. And then chapters 11 through 16, which we're going to begin next week, is about Jesus going to the cross. In those first 10 chapters, we've seen Jesus teaching, He taught with authority. We've seen his miracles. We see Jesus on the Sea of Galilee in in the midst of a raging storm, with waves crashing over the side of the boat, and with just a word, peace, be still. The text tells us the wind and the waves died down and were muzzled in an instant because creation responds to the creator. We also saw his miracles of healing, Jesus taking lepers and, and, and those whose fingers or whose ears are rotted off, whose skin and sand were like sandpaper, and Jesus healed them. And with a touch or, or a word, their, their limbs grew, their skin turned soft and smooth. One of the most amazing miracles we saw in the first half of this gospel was when Jesus healed a man who was deaf and mute. And not only did, not only did Jesus restore his hearing, but he restored his ability to speak And so that's what we've been seeing as Jesus is teaching and he's performing these miracles in the first 10 chapters. In chapters 11 through 16, we're going to move from Jesus revealing himself for who he is to the great work that Jesus came to do. To die on the cross for sin, conquering sin and death for you and for me. And today we're going to look at Jesus's final miracle in this first part of Mark's gospel. Next week, as I said, we're going to begin chapter 11 with the, with the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, what we celebrate um, typically in the springtime on Palm Sunday, followed by the final week uh, that, that Jesus was facing and going to the cross to die. We're in Mark chapter 10, as I said, we're going to begin at verse 48 this morning. You can follow along on the screen or you can follow along there. It's on your life notes. It says, Then they came to Jericho. Jesus stopped and said, calling. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now, last week, in last week's message, and, and it's available on podcast. If, if you weren't here, you can, you can pick it up online. If you don't know how to do that, or uh, just let me know. I, I can show you how to do that. But last week, we looked at two paths to greatness. We saw James and John, the, the sons of Zebedee. They brought their mother with them to see Jesus, and they had to ask for Jesus. They had something they, they, wanted, they, wanted, um, they wanted Jesus to do for them. And they said, when, we, when you come into your kingdom, Jesus, we want the positions that are on your right and on your left. Please promise us that you'll give us these two highest positions in your kingdom. They thought with Jesus going to Jerusalem that he's going to inaugurate an, an earthly kingdom, that he's going to overthrow the Romans, and, and they, want to make sure, they want to make sure that they have a place in that kingdom. In fact, they don't just want any place. They want the high places right next to Jesus. They want to be number one and number two after Jesus in that earthly kingdom. But as we've seen through our study of the Gospel of Mark, Already three times Jesus has told them that he's not going into Jerusalem to set up an earthly kingdom. He's going to Jerusalem to die. And then he's going to rise from the dead. But like stubborn children, they let it go in one ear and out the other. They refused to listen. They refused to absorb that. And so they went behind the backs of the other apostles, and they tried to manipulate Jesus into giving them what they thought were the two highest positions in the kingdom. Now, interestingly, when they approached Jesus, Jesus asked them this question. He said, what do you want me to do for you? And that's a key phrase here. You've already heard it once this morning in our scripture today. The key phrase here, and in essence, they're asking Jesus, you, we want you to make us rich. We want you to make us famous. We want you to give us power and authority. That's what they want. They want us one and two in your kingdom. And Jesus didn't say yes. He said, That's not for me to give to you. You guys are, are getting it all wrong here. Now, notice here that as we go to this next story, this week's story, when Bartimaeus comes to Jesus, we find those exact same words, that exact question on Jesus' lip. lips. He says to Bartimaeus, What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus has a very different attitude than the two sons of thunder it's not make me rich. Make me powerful, make me important. It's Jesus. I'm desperate for mercy. Have mercy on me. I can't see, I want to see. And I think Mark actually puts these two stories right next to one another for a good reason. He's trying to show us something. He's, he's, he's trying to contrast the, the ideas that are in the minds of James and John. These guys who were cousins, as we saw last week, of Jesus. These guys that had followed Jesus for three years of ministry. These guys that should understand Jesus versus this man, this random beggar who's blind on the side of the road. James and John don't get it. They're blinded by their ambition in the truest sense of the way. What Bartimaeus wants Jesus to do for him is to give him mercy, show him mercy, mercy that he knows he doesn't deserve. And yet Jesus does respond favorably to Bartimaeus's ask. I think this lesson here, this, this just position of these stories is for you and for me as well, not just for the people there, but for you and me. Think about it. When we approach Jesus... Don't you and I oftentimes sound a lot like James and John? Lord, I want to be more comfortable. Lord, I'd like to be a little richer, even though most of us in this room, if not all of us, I dare say all of us in this room are richer than the majority of the people in the world. I'd like to be better off than I am, Jesus. How many times, when was the last time you you just said, Jesus, have mercy on me? Have mercy on me. Heal the thing that's standing in in the way. Take away the thing that's standing in in, in the, the way of relationship with you. And oftentimes when we ask those other questions like James and John, Jesus doesn't respond favorably. In fact, most times he doesn't respond favorably, I don't think, to asks like James and John. But when we come to him begging for mercy, that's when Jesus answers prayer. Now, a couple of things I want to put, point out here um, about what we're going to study this morning. This is actually the last of the miracles that you're going to see in Mark's gospel. There'll be no miracles from here on out, except, of course, when Jesus rises from the dead, which, of course, is the greatest miracle that ever occurred. And that's the biggest one. But, but from here on out, there's no miracles. There is a cursing of a fig tree, but it's a curse. I'm not really going to consider that a miracle there because it's certainly not positive. We'll see that in next week's, uh, next week's message. But we know that Jesus is headed to Jerusalem. Today we see that he passes through the city of Jericho, and, and that's on the, way, on the way to Jerusalem. And while the Gospel of Mark only tells us that there is one salvation story and healing story that takes place, there is and that's blind Bartimaeus, but there's actually two salvation stories that we know here that take place as Jesus is going through Jericho for the, for the final time. The other one is, is about this wee little man named Zacchaeus. We read about that in Luke chapter 19, and as we go through the Bartimaeus story, it's going to be helpful for us to look at Zacchaeus because it's taking place about the same time during the same time period. Mark just chose not to record it in his gospel, but they actually help inform one another to give us a better idea of what's going on. The story of blind Bartimaeus receiving his sight also is found in, in Matthew chapter 20 as well as Luke chapter 18. Now, we're going to look at Mark's account here this morning in two sections. In the first section, we see Bartimaeus desperate for mercy. And in the second section, we're going to study Jesus, who is a gracious Savior, who loves to give mercy. So let's begin here. In verse 46, it says, Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, son of Timaeus. Anytime you see a Hebrew name and it says Bar something... Bar means son of. Bat, B-A-T, or we we pronounce it bat, but it's bat means daughter of. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. What was he doing? He was begging. Now, a little bit of background here. We've seen Jesus come down from from Galilee heading toward Jerusalem. He's passed through Perea, the area where John the Baptist had been ministering when he was arrested and beheaded by by King Herod. And the Jordan River is just to the west. And over here you have Jericho. Jesus came down from Galilee. The Jordan River is that that blue thing right there. Came down from Jericho. Then you come to Bethany. Bethphage is there, the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. So this is kind of everything left in Mark's gospel is going to take place in that last week along here. And so a little bit of background there. As they're heading west, the last major city before they reach Jerusalem would have been Jericho. Jericho is 17 miles from Jerusalem, but Jericho is 825 feet below sea level, and Jerusalem is 2,500 feet above sea level, level. so it's about a 3,300 foot climb from Jericho to Jerusalem. It's why the Jews always say you go up to Jerusalem. The Mount of Olives is actually about 200 feet higher than the Temple Mount where Jerusalem is. Now The Jews would walk this in about six or seven hours, but it was a grueling walk because it was an uphill climb. It'd, it'd be kind of like um, like going out the gate here and going up to the fire station. That's an uphill thing. I made that mistake the first time I rode my bike here at Sky Valley. I went out and I turned left, and that was kind of arduous, climbing that hill up to the fire station. The Jericho Road here was very well traveled. And here, go back one slide. Here's a photo to give you a sense of, of what it looked like. It's a very windy road through a rocky hillside so that you could not always see very far ahead of you And when you were traveling. And there were many pilgrims that would travel this road headed to Jerusalem as they went there, particularly for Passover and, and other holidays. And, and this is an area where there are bandits and robbers, and they're famous for attacking people because you couldn't necessarily see around these little hills and, and protect yourself, and they could lie in, in, in hiding and, and wait for you there. If you recall the, the story of the Good Samaritan that Luke tells about that happened on the Jericho Road. That's where the, that's where the guy was beaten up, and, and the Samaritan took care of him. Now, as I said, you know, Jericho was a, was a decent-sized city. In New Testament times, it had been rebuilt about a mile south of the Old Testament city of Jericho. If you remember that back in Joshua, you know, when they marched around seven times, and the walls came tumbling down. The New Testament city of Jericho is about a mile north of the old Jericho, they built it there because there's there's springs there and there's palm trees. It sounds kind of uh, kind of familiar, doesn't it? Kind of like where we are. Uh, that's why they built the city there in the desert, and it's known as the city of palms because of the palm trees and the oasis that was there. And they had plenty of water. They had plenty of fruit trees and stuff like that. And the city was known for its almonds, for its roses, for its flowers. And King Herod had a winter palace there. Uh, there, It was a nice place to go and, and be away from Jerusalem. A couple of textual issues about the text here, comparing the gospels to one another, that'd be interesting for you to know, is Matthew and Mark, when they talk about this particular healing of Bartimaeus, they talk about Jesus healing him while he was on his way out of the city. Luke talks about it. He says Jesus healed him while he was on his way into the city. Now, what's going on here? You may say. You may scratch your head. At first, it seems like you have one of the gospels uh, contradicting the other two, but I think it needs to understand. Be understood that Jesus is is healing blind Bartimaeus when he's in the vicinity of Jericho. And we know from the story of Zacchaeus, which took place at the same time, that Jesus was diverted, and he was probably in and around the the environs of of Jericho then, diverted for a while, because we know that he went to uh, Zacchaeus' house. He had dinner there. He probably spent the night there that evening. And he said, I'm going to go eat with you, going to be with you. So while he was planning on passing through, Jesus stuck around Jericho for a while, so he might have been in and out of the city many times. Now Mark says also here in this verse that we looked at that there was a huge crowd. Jesus has been teaching and ministering for about three years, and we're nearing Passover. And there's many pilgrims, as I said, on this road, traveling this road during the time of Passover. We're about a week before Passover here at this point. And people had heard about Jesus, and they wanted to see him. There's some big, another big miracle that occurred that we'll talk about later. That had happened here with with Lazarus, and and this is where Zacchaeus comes in, the vertically challenged uh, tax collector who wanted to see Jesus. I kind of, when I picture Zacchaeus, I can't help but I get the little, I get Danny DeVito in in my mind. You guys know Danny DeVito, and, and the only way Zacchaeus could see Jesus is if he climbed up into a tree and looked down. Now, the Gospel of John tells us that, that Jesus had already made a trip to Bethany, as I said. The Bethany, the distance between Bethany and Jericho is about 12 miles there. And this is where Lazarus and his sisters, Martha and Mary, lived. Lazarus had become sick and had died, and Jesus had come. And even after Lazarus had been dead for three days, he raised him from the dead. And this, uh, as you can probably imagine, raised quite a buzz in the, in the, in the area around that, that region that Jesus had Raised Lazarus from the dead. And this had happened before. Now Jesus had gone back and he was taking his disciples with him as they were as they were making their way to Jerusalem for the last time. So the news of Jesus' raising of Lazarus from the dead was was everywhere. It was Passover time. So crowds of this there's there's a lot of folks here, and there's people pressing in to see Jesus. That's what you need to kind of picture. People pressing in to see Jesus. And our story, it's going to focus on one of the really insignificant people. Someone that you would think was, was insignificant in the crowds. A person on the very outskirts of society. He was on the outskirts of the crowd. He was a blind man named Bartimaeus. Now, incidentally, let me, let me share a little bit of extra background here, as if I haven't already. But Mark only tells us of Bartimaeus. Matthew tells us that there were actually two beggars that were healed. Mark and Luke only mention one. And again, some people say, oh, well, that shows that the Bible's contradicting itself and all. No, it just means that not all the Gospels reported everybody that was there and what was going on. A, the simple explanation is, as Matthew says, there's two people that are healed. But it's okay for Mark and Luke to only focus on one of them for the purposes of what they're trying to say here, the stories of, of, of those two people. Bartimaeus, he's he's the famous one. And Mark is choosing to focus on Bartimaeus. Now, if you go back and you look through Mark's gospel, it is highly unusual, extremely unusual for Mark to give us a proper name, to give us a specific name of someone. He hasn't hasn't told us the names of all these people along the ways. You know, back when the guy that was the paralytic in the early part of the gospel, remember, I called him Paralyzed uh, Pat, you know, but that wasn't in the scripture. I just kind of made that up and used that name for, for the guy so we would have something to call him. But Bartimaeus' name is used here by Mark. And, and the reason is probably because Bartimaeus was someone that was known to the people that were reading the gospel. Scholars believe that Bartimaeus was probably one of the first members of the early church in Jerusalem. And people still knew about him. And so he would have name recognition if Mark put dropped his name there in his gospel. And that's why Mark decided to put his story there and and tell the story of Bartimaeus, his healing and conversion at the end of the first section of his gospel. That's why Mark focuses on him. One other thing I'd like to mention that's really important for us to understand as we get into the story is that in those days, in those days, the Jews, they viewed someone who was blind or someone who had leprosy or someone who was afflicted in any way, they said that's a result of sin. It's because you have sin in your life, and, and we do know that all sickness and illness came into the world through sin, but it doesn't mean that Bartimaeus this was a direct result of, you know, Bartimaeus, you know, lied one day, and all of a sudden he was, he was struck blind, and we can see this in, in John chapter 9, verse 2, where Jesus is asked about another blind man in John 9, 2. They asked Jesus, they said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his pa- parents that he was born blind? Parents commit some grievous sin, so their baby was born blind, or, or did, uh, did this guy do something that, that caused him to be blind? And, you know, Jesus said no. But that was the assumption, that was their belief. Jesus said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. And that's something to keep in mind. It was done so that it happened so that the work of God could be displayed in his life. And we could take off on that because we could apply that to our own lives when bad things happen. We see that that God uses them in our lives to draw us closer to him. But he's going to do that with with Bart this morning. So Bartimaeus had a great sense of sin because of the beliefs in his day. And Bartimaeus, he responds to Jesus when he hears that Jesus is coming to town. It says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, this word where it says um, he began to shout, The the word shout there, I think it's just kind of a a milk toast, a poor translation. It sort of under-expresses the actual Greek word behind it. Shout out seems pretty mild. It, it, it might be better to call it scream or, or shriek at the top of your lungs. That would be a better characterization. The same Greek word is, was used in Mark chapter 5 to describe the screams of the demon-possessed man. It's used in Revelation chapter 12 to describe the screams of a woman who is in the process of, of childbirth. So, what we have here, as soon as Bartimaeus hears that it's Jesus who's passing through the crowd, he's got a huge crowd around him. And so he's screaming at the top of his lungs so that he can be heard. And he's saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He wants to be heard. Now, notice that he addresses Jesus, what, or how? Son of David. And this is the first time in Mark's gospel that we see this phrase, son of David. Jesus has used the term son of man from Daniel chapter 7 to refer to himself many times over so far in Mark's gospel. But this is the first time you see son of David. And Barnabas through this is recognizing something very important. He's recognizing that Jesus is the Messiah. In Hebrew, the Mashiach. He's the the Messiah, the one who is the rightful ruler that that comes from the line of David, the one that was promised in all the Old Testament prophecies. And I find it completely ironic that Barnabas, who has no physical eyesight, but he has laser-sharp vision to see spiritually. He knows that he's in a desperate situation. He, he he feels a great sense of his own sin uh, about being blind. He knows that Jesus is the Son of David, the Messiah. He believes that, and he's desperate for mercy from the Messiah, which is why he's screaming at the top of his lungs, crying out to Jesus, desperately so to be heard. Now, notice the crowd. Notice their reaction to him. Do they show any empathy? Do they show any mercy? It says many rebuked him. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But what would that do? He shouted all the more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Rebuke is a very, very strong word. You can scold somebody, but you rebuke somebody. That's like in your face. Don't do that. It's like, shut up, Bart. He doesn't care about you, and neither do we. But Bart wouldn't keep quiet. He keeps screaming at the top of his lungs, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, this leads us to the second part of our message Jesus, our merciful, merciful Savior. It says, Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up. Kind of changed their tune really quick, didn't they? Cheer up, on your feet. He's calling you. And as we've studied Mark's gospel, if you've been with me through the past year, as we've, as we've gone through these, and again, if you, have, if you haven't been with us, you can always pick them up. Every one of the messages in this series is online. We find that Jesus is filled with incredible compassion for those who are in need, especially those who come to him looking for mercy, not prideful. In this crowd, or he hears, Jesus hears the desperate cries of this blind beggar calling out to him for mercy. And what does Jesus do? He stops everything. I mean, and don't, don't miss this, this huge crowd They're processing. They're walking along the street. Jesus stops everything. He pulls the emergency brake. He said, where is that guy? Call him over to me. I want to talk to him. Bring him to me. And how does Bartimaeus react? It tells us in verse 50, throwing his cloak aside, he jumps to his feet and came to Jesus. Mark wants us to notice how Bartimaeus came to Jesus. There was no dawdling, there was no, you know, sauntering over. He jumped up, he threw his cloak off, and he went to Jesus as fast as he could. Now, why would Mark include these details? Well, Well, I want you to think about the cloak, and think about what the cloak meant to Bartimaeus, what he needed it for. Remember this massive crowd. Bartimaeus probably may not find his cloak after all this stuff goes on. And once once he's done talking to Jesus and all this, trying to go back and find that cloak, it may, may not be able to. It may be stolen or, or, or something, you know, it's maybe may be gone. The, the cloak was important to Bartimaeus as a beggar. It kept him warm at night. When he was begging, he'd sit down on the on the ground, and he would lay his cloak out. Beggars would lay their cloaks out in front of them, and you throw the you throw the money that you were that you're giving them into the cloak. And that's the way that he could get. Remember, he was blind; he couldn't he couldn't see, but he could hear when the when the when the when the cloak when it would hit the cloak, he'd be able to get it. He'd be able to pick the cloak up and gather all of his stuff up with him. And the cloak was an important part of his life. But what did he do? He left it behind. He left it behind quickly and ran to Jesus. And it's like like he was so confident that he's not going to need that cloak anymore because he's confident that what he wants to happen is going to happen. And Jesus said to him the same question as I pointed out that he asked James and John last week. What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. This is our connection to last week's story. What do you want me to do for you. Bartimaeus doesn't say, hey, uh, make me rich. You know, let me sit at your right or your left or, you know, or, or next to James or John. You know, I heard those guys have already put dibs on the, on those important seats. Let me just, let me just have one of those other lesser seats. Put me in the, in the, in the peanut section of your kingdom. No, that's not what he said. He says, I just want mercy. I just want mercy. I just want You And Matthew in the parallel accounts tells us that at that moment, Jesus reached out and touched Bartimaeus' eyes. Luke tells us that that, that Jesus said to him, receive your sight. And so with nothing more than a gentle touch and a spoken word, instantly Bartimaeus could see. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I notice a couple things here. Notice what happens. Jesus said, Your faith has healed you. What we have happening here is more than just a, a simple healing, a simple physical healing. Was there any doubt in Bartimaeus' mind that Jesus was the Messiah? I don't think so. I don't the way he was carrying on and screaming for the son of David, I don't think so. He, he was calling him son of David. He understood that Jesus was the one that was promised. He knew that he was the Messiah. There was no doubt in his mind that he was in a, in a desperate situation. There was nothing that he could do to help himself. That's why he's screaming to the top of his lungs. He realized that he was a sinner in need of mercy from the Messiah. He desperately needed God to do something for him. And so he was healed not just physically, but he was healed spiritually. Jesus says, your faith has healed you. And in the Greek, there's a very interesting word play going on here. The the word that's, that's translated healed here is that, I put it in red up there above it, is the word sozo, the Greek word sozo. There's actually a specifically different Greek word that's used for physical healing. But sozo covers not just physical healing, it's much more comprehensive. And so another legitimate translation here would be, go, your faith has saved you. So he wasn't just healed physically. He was healed in his relationship with God because he was desperate for mercy and he was looking to Jesus who alone could give it to him. So as Mark finishes uh, this first section of his gospel, we have this great irony. You have a blind man who couldn't see physically, but he had the spiritual eyesight to see the one thing that he needed desperately. To see that he was a sinner, in desperate need of mercy, and to see that the one that could give it to him was right there in front of him. Now, another big twist to this, interesting twist to this story is, is notice that Jesus tells him to what? Tells him to go. But Bart followed Jesus along the road. Now, there are other times when people do try to follow Jesus after he heals him, and he says, no, 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 go. To, remember the gathering demoniac? Back in chapter 5, 6, you know, he wanted to follow Jesus and go back. He says, no, you stay here. And that guy ended up evangelizing the whole region. But here, Bartimaeus joined Jesus and the disciples on their journey. Seeing Bartimaeus was with them. And can you picture next week, we're going to look at next week. Can you picture when Jesus has his triumphal entry into Jerusalem? Bart was there with him. In the early church, there's Bart. On the day of Pentecost, there's Bartimaeus, one at the beginning of the church. And I think this is, might be why Mark mentions him by name. It's like, you all know Bart. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you how he came to Jesus. Let me tell you his come to Jesus story. Now, two applications here before we go. What does this teach us? It teaches us that those desperate for mercy from Jesus will find it from Jesus. Jesus. Remember these two contrasting stories? James and John, what do you want me to do for you? Oh, we want to be rich. We want to be famous. We want to be powerful. Jesus didn't give it to him. But when Bartimaeus answered the same question, what do you want me to do for you? I want mercy. He found it. And I want you to know that if you're here this morning, if you're desperate for mercy from Jesus, that you will find it from Jesus. If you're here saying, Jesus, make me rich, powerful, and, and famous, I can't guarantee that he's going to do that. There's some people that teach. I'll just say that, you know, you, you, you've got a Cadillac in your, in your driveway, and it's going to show up there. I can't say that. That's not scriptural. But I do know that those that seek mercy from Jesus find mercy from Jesus. I know that in the midst of a, of a crazy, large crowd, that Jesus can hear the cries of a blind beggar, desperate for mercy, And that he will stop everything. He will change his itinerary to reach out and grant mercy to that beggar. No matter who you are, no matter how insignificant you may feel, Jesus will stop everything and extend mercy to you when you call out desperately seeking him. The other thing I'd like to point out to you is this. The weaknesses that we despise in our life are the very things that God will use to draw us to himself. In that crowd, the vast majority of people were healthy and, and well. And they were interested in Jesus. They were part of the, the buzz, of the, the crowd there. But Bartimaeus was blind. Bartimaeus was, was, was broken. His blindness had brought him to a point of desperation, which is why he alone called out for mercy from Jesus. And you know, you may be the most blessed person in that crowd, Bartimaeus. Because God used his blindness to bring him to the end of himself so that he could desperately and humbly cry out for mercy to Jesus. And so what about us? Do you have weaknesses in your life? Things that that you really can't stand about yourself, that you you need to get on your knees and, and cry out desperately to God about, cry out to Jesus for mercy. He will use those things to draw you to himself. We think those things are are not good for us, but they're tools that God can use to humble us and cause us to come to him, to, to seek him, to call out for God, for mercy from Jesus Christ. And we can be sure, we can be certain that we will get it. What a story. joining us for this message. For more information on Chapel Mall and the ministry of Sky Valley Chapel, please visit our website at svmin.com. You can support this ministry on our website, Facebook page, or by downloading our app in the Apple or Google Play Store. Have a blessed day!